Welcome to Wisdom for Life, where we sift through philosophy to find practical advice that you can use in your everyday life. Hi, I'm Dan Hayes, and I've got with me my co-host, Dr. Greg Sadler. Today we're going to talk about... A-I-T-A, and if you don't know what that stands for, it's Am I the A-Hole? Now, we've been assured by our station manager that we can actually say the full word on the air, but we're going to err on the side of caution and just say A-Hole and assume that you know exactly what the A and that refers to. We were actually, before that, saying jerk and then jerk hole, but the, our station manager said that actually sounds worse than A-Hole, so <laughs> we're going to go with that. Now, if you don't know what AITH is, or AITA rather, it's uh, a forum on Reddit, and it's got just thousands, maybe tens of thousands of, of entries of people seeking advice about whether they made the right decision or did the wrong thing, and they're asking for people to make judgments. And we've done a couple shows on this in the past. And they've, you know, kind of been a hit. And, and I think there's a good reason why that is. Um, do you, I mean, I, I end up seeing them on Twitter because I'm on Twitter more mm. than Reddit. I think you're more of a Reddit guy, right, Dan? Yeah. But I don't actually subscribe to it. Okay. I just, every, every once in a while, it'll, it'll uh, percolate up. But yeah. otherwise, no. Uh, and I guess one, one of the things I wanted to kind of like talk about is, you know, we're making these um, kind of like we're making judgments. Right, um, right. As, as one does, you take a, a moral um, system and you kind of apply things to it. You come up with judgments from that. You know, it's like, are the, the oughts um, the being applied? Yeah. yeah, the shoulds, the oughts being applied correctly in these cases. And sometimes we'll, we'll go from virtue ethics or, or utilitarian or, you know, let's, you know, a lot of times we'll talk about this, but I did want to make one thing kind of very apparent is that when we might say um, the a- the a hole yeah. um, here, it's not that we are now imbuing that person is entirely bad that they will forever be an a hole. We're not casting them into the outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, this is just for this particular action. We're going to make a judgment on that. Yeah, and these can be really helpful teaching and learning devices. I mean, I'm thinking about using these when I teach ethics classes because, you know, you're right. We're making judgments, and a lot of people don't want to be viewed as making judgments. But the problem isn't making judgments as such. It's the basis on which we, we uh, you know, form them and whether we can defend them to other people. So you and I might disagree on some of these cases, but, you know, it doesn't just stop there. We have to try to give reasons. I, I think this person's a bad person. You think they're, you know, not a bad person. Why, you know, what, what can we offer to each other, right? Right. And having that open conversation is, uh, you know, helpful to understanding how other people see the world around you. Yeah, and if yeah. You, have a fundamental like disagreement on some sort of like basis of morality that's going to make it difficult for you to potentially agree with them on your decisions and uh it's it's useful to know where you can find common ground based off of their moral foundations you know i think another thing that these might be helpful for is highlighting consistency 
You know, we when we're making moral judgments, we want them to be consistent with each other and the bases that we're making them. So if we're being very preferential because we, I don't know, maybe identify or sympathize with the people involved because of our background or history or something along those lines, maybe our interlocutor can call us on that and say, hey, you're, uh, you're really hard on this person, but you're giving this person a pass. What's going on with that? Right. Definitely helps to uh, sharpen one's own mental tools. Yeah. Well, for our audience who may not remember past episodes, do you want to run through the different options for judgments? So we have um, a-hole, not the a-hole, no one is the a-hole, and everyone is the (laughs) (laughs) a-hole. And we could have like a fifth one, which is... We don't know enough, you know, we're not quite sure. And I suppose we could also have a, not everybody is the a-hole, but a sure, but a lot of people certainly are, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Now, Reddit users actually like vote on this, right? They, they, they award what they call flair, which are labels to say, in this case, it's been judged that this person really is the a-hole or this they're not and the other person is or everybody is. Um, I think that the everybody is is like dark red, if I remember right, which is a, a fitting color for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the question is, like, is having that type of a form and you're like voting on these things is it's it's basically a you know a reductio ab popularum. It's not well. It's, well, that's not, it's I mean a, li- a little bit. There is the possibility, and this is one of the things that I do like about this format. Um, it's not just like um, pick one of four options. Mm-hmm. People leave comments, and in their comments, they they do explain why they take the position that they take. Some of them, you know, much shorter than others, and some of them also ask for information. And then sometimes you'll see the original poster giving information, like saying, "Oh, well, you know, here's here's some clarification about this." So it it seems a bit more interactive than just like a Facebook or Twitter poll, you know? Yeah. Um, and obviously, uh, just so that we have terms, um, original poster is the first person that posted, and we'll uh, often refer to them as OP. Right, right, yeah. You know, I, this is – before we jump into this, so – People do get in discussions on Twitter, obviously, and on Facebook and, and YouTube. Um, do you think that these Reddit, like, not all Reddit is great. I mean, some some of it's accessible, right? Yes. But this forum seems to be pretty good in general. Um, would you say yeah, even even when people do are are like clearly the a hole? They're it's. It's not like they're berating them. They say, like, Here, here's my thing, and yeah. here's the reason. So, so is it like a, uh, a teaching tool, or is it something to promote useful discourse about moral theory and application? Maybe this could be a really powerful um, device, right? Yeah. I wonder, would it be kosher to actually ask your students to post something on there? Oh, that's a good question. You know, um, I don't think you could compel them to, right? Mm-hmm. I, I suspect that that would go beyond. There, there's probably some 
forums where you could say, yeah, put something on Instagram for your artistic stuff or, you know, make a little tweet in Twitter. But I don't know about venturing into this forum, but I bet a lot of students would be okay with doing it, you know, on a volunteer basis. Yeah, I, I agree that the volunteer is definitely the the bonus there. Although the question is, could you give bonus points for doing that or is that still incentivizing it? Well, you can you can give extra credit for anything that you want because it's extra credit. I mean, I don't usually give extra credit in my classes, frankly. I usually, when students ask for extra credit, I say, "How about you do the actual work that I've mm. thought out ahead of time and given you?" Because anytime they're asking for extra credit, it's one of two things: either they've already got an A in the class, and they're like some go-getter student, and you're like, "Listen, you've already done enough. This is just a class. <laughs> Focus on your other studies, right?" Or you know, go go to the gym. Or, or take a nap or something like that. Or they're a student who's got a D or an F and they haven't done the work that they're supposed to do. And then you're like, well, why are you, why are you focusing on extra credit when you should be getting the work that you owe me already done to, to you know, at least some, some measure of satisfaction? So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's no reason why you couldn't give it as extra credit, I think. Well, we've Hi. we've bantered a lot now. Yes, <laughs> uh, we we've basically ate up about one sixth of our time, so we better jump into an actual case. Um, do you want you want to read the first one, or you want me to? Uh, sure, I'll go for it. Um, am I the a hole for asking my husband not to work out in the morning? My husband wakes up at five a.m. every single day so that he can exercise before he starts work. I've never had a problem with it before. However, pregnancy has made me an incredibly light sleeper, and also made sleeping in general difficult. I've gotten to the point where I only get around two to three hours of sleep every day because by the time that I finally fall asleep, he wakes up and wakes me up. I asked him if he could stop working out in the morning. He argued that the morning was the only time he could work out because he worked out he worked all day and couldn't predict when he would finish. He would be had a bad back and forth about it, and he did everything. Er, and he did eventually agree, but he seems upset over it and keeps bringing it up and saying his schedule was ruined. So, assuming that everything here is veridical, you know that it, mm -hmm. that it's true and it hasn't been um, exaggerated that that she's not making hyperbolic statements. Um, what do you think? So, first opinion is um, that he, uh, she's not the asshole. Yeah. That's um, like you, especially when you are living together with someone, you're sharing space together, and you need to accommodate those people in order to make sure that they have their basic needs. Um, I usually consider sleep to be one of those basic needs. Otherwise, you know, yeah, we cease to function quite well. Um, now that, that that's my first opinion. Let me yeah, hear that, you. That, that's a good point. I mean, it's it's not like she's saying, oh, you're working out is interfering with me watching SNL at the time that I want to watch it or something like that. It, you're right. It's a basic need thing. And it sounds like it's not something that's going to go on forever. It's not like she's saying, I need you to change this for the next 10 years. It's just while she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. And it's like, I'm looking at this, you know, there are other options um, mm. for the the man and then uh, for the wife, I guess, 
Um, I also saw, like, in the second reading through this, uh, I saw a one. So the first thing is, you know, for the, the, the gentleman, the, the husband, um, is you know, you can uh, go outside and work out. Um, I don't know exactly what he does to work out, but, like, I, I've i lived in apartments, and yeah. not doing jumping jacks um, in your apartment over other people is usually a good way to maintain your sanity with your neighbors. Um and and with this with his wife, he also could go to the gym. I don't know exactly what their situation, but these are options that are potentially on the table. And then also the second um, thing is they could set up some way to change their their sleeping habits to hopefully get to bed earlier. Um, I, just as an aside, but it, it seems like it's probably easier for the husband to uh, change that than the pregnant wife. Yeah, it sounds more like he likes working out in the morning. And he wants to stick to that schedule because the idea that um, he doesn't oh, – so he said that uh, the morning was the only time he could work out because he worked all day and couldn't predict when he would finish. Well, who cares? I mean, he finishes at 6 o'clock. He works out at 6 o'clock. He finishes at 8 o'clock. He works out at 8 o'clock. If working out is really what's valuable to him and not working out at the specific time in the morning, this this doesn't sound like it's that difficult for him to accomplish. And then, you know, the so they had a back and forth about it, and then he agreed, but she says he seems upset and keeps bringing it up. So that's a sign that he didn't really agree. And I think that, you know, if, if he's not okay with it, then maybe they have to talk it out more. But saying his schedule was ruined... Okay, that's that's a little. I don't. I won't say it's a red flag. Let's call it a pink flag, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, claiming that your schedule is ruined because you can't work out in the morning, it's eh, a little immature, right? Especially if yeah. you're somebody who's going to be having a kid. Um, right. I mean, just <laughs> wait, wa- <laughs> yeah, just wait until you got that kid. You're not going to work out. You're not going to do anything <laughs> on the schedule that you want to do it on. You know? So. <laughs> Maybe this is uh, her way of easing him into that. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unintentionally, I assume. Yeah. Oh. So this one's a pretty straightforward one, I think. I mean, is he an a-hole? I think he's on the verge of it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? She, well, I'd say the first thing is she is not the a-hole because she's the one that is currently asking. Yeah. Um. Uh. Him, yeah, he, <laughs> he seems a little immature in that regard. So maybe not a not a full on a hole. Maybe he doesn't meet no. the, meet the threshold for it. No, <laughs> no. Okay. Well, this is a, this is a good one. So nobody's the a hole in this case, right? But somebody's better and somebody's worse. Right. So uh, uh, let's let's go to the next one. Yeah, this is this one's an interesting one. Am I the a hole for telling my stepdad it's not my job to be a good influence for his kids? This is the dumbest argument I've ever had with adults. I'm 16-year-old female. The steps are 14-year-old female, 10-year-old male, 9-year-old female. My mom and their dad have been dating for a little over a year and are engaged. We all just moved into a new place together because the parents wanted to blend the families and no one but them are happy about it. The step 
the steps and I made an agreement before they moved in that we all just leave each other alone because none of us want new family. But if they need an emergency lift or help with something when the parents aren't around, that's fine. The AITA issue started because I'm a serious athlete. So my lifestyle has to be pretty healthy. I work out a lot and I meal prep most of my own food to make sure I keep up with my nutrition plan. The step family have a very different way of doing things, and that's causing some friction. I don't care what shape or size they are, just to throw that in there, it's none of my business, but the stepdad has started using me like an object lesson to the kids. Um, I, you know, always eat health, really healthy. We should probably be doing that. Maybe, uh, you know, she could give some pointers and we could do a family gym night, that kind of thing. It's really upsetting the 14 year old, especially, I think, because she's kind of sensitive about her size and having me around isn't helping with it already. Over the weekend, I was making a shopping list for meal prep for the week when stepdad brings in the 14-year-old and says, hey, stepsis would like to try your meal plan out. Can you walk her through it? This is a dumb ask anyway. My diet won't work for her because I spend a lot of extra calories a day most days, and I'm not a nutritionist to figure out what she needs. But she also looks like she wants to die on the spot. So I say, step sis, do you really want me to do this? She says no. So I tell her dad, he probably just needs to back off because this is real sucky for everyone. He says, I just think her seeing how you do things would be a good influence. And I'm like, I'm not here to be a good influence on your kids. That's your job. So now I'm in trouble for being disrespectful. And we had to have this big family meeting about all getting along and helping each other. And I got more I got in more trouble for telling them that's rich because they didn't care what any of us thought about anything when they were making decisions. But I don't really think any of this is even helpful. Like it would be different if the other kids wanted to get fit. It's still not a job for me, but I could try to do a support. So is is this person the, the a-hole? Um, I mean, I know who's the a-hole in this one. <laughs> you know? uh, so what do you think, Dan? Um, I, I'm actually a little conflicted because I, I'm looking at the motivations of each one of these individuals. Yeah. Um, and it, like, I mean, we basically have a couple parties, right? We have the original poster, we have the dad, and then we have all the stepkids. And then we basically have the, from the story, non-existent mom who doesn't seem to be taking any kind of stand. Right. And before we go too deep into this, um, I actually love this poster. Um, they definitely have a way with words. And, you know, yeah. I love the, the line of, um, <laughs> and she looked like she was going to die. It's yeah. like, yep, that, this is also very much like a 16 year old girl. That sounds right. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, I mean, to me, um, I kind of think that the, the other kids have a genuine beef with their dad that, you know, if, if, if the dad is all about them, like getting in shape and stuff like that, the dad should just like handle that himself, you mm-hmm. know, um, the, the poster's right that, yeah, that's his job. It's not just because you get like sucked into somebody else's family doesn't mean that suddenly you, especially as a kid, have a moral responsibility to like take over the parental role. Yeah. Um, I say if if he's when he's asking the, uh, her to be specifically a a role model, yeah. Um, I think that's it's an ask too far, yeah. Um, but I also kind of look at it as okay, what what is the father wanting to do? He's his goal here is the betterment of his children, which is a laudable goal. Um, but you know, uh, the the road to hell is paved in 
good intentions, obviously. It seems like the sort of thing, though. I mean, this nutrition thing is a great example. A lot, a lot of parents will um, give, essentially give their kids bad discipline and bad advice about what they should be eating or not eating. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the 16-year-old here says, listen, I'm not a nutritionist. I know what works for me. I don't know what works for these other kids. So it seems like the dad, if the dad is really interested in healthy eating, the dad should be going to a nutritionist going to some sort of competent professional rather than roping his stepdaughter into it. Yeah. And it might be that he's just not aware that he's so woefully ignorant of, of nutrition and whatnot that like, you know, before I took my, um, what kinesiology course in college, I, on after I took that class, I, I significantly changed both my activity as well as my, uh, food, uh, just for getting that little bit of knowledge. And if you don't have it, you're just like, well, there's yeah. food. Frozen pizza, great. You know, actually, this reminds me. So I, I was 17 when I first got into endurance work, endurance lifting, right? And mm-hmm. that meant these um, anywhere from two to four hour workout sessions with like medium weights, very long um, sets and reps. And I was, you know, also working at Kentucky Fried Chicken when when I was doing that, the one that used to be out by uh, the movie theater in, in, in Brookfield. And I was e- I was consuming at least 6000 calories every day. Mostly like protein, you know. Yeah. I would drink about a ga- about half a gallon of milk. I, you know, working at Kentucky Fried, one of the perks was, you know, if there was chicken left over at the end of the day, I could take as much of it as I, I wanted. So I just take all white, you know, like the the breasts and the 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 centerpiece and all that. And I would take like ten pieces home, you know, and get home. And and I was I was exercising so much that I would burn through that. You know, I also had the high metabolism right. of a seventeen year old. Now, you know, she sounds sounds like she's kind of doing something similar. If you've already got kids that are a little overweight, putting them on that sort of thing, man, that's going to be totally counterproductive. You know? Right. Yeah, that's one of the things I picked up in media as well. It's like, yeah, she doesn't know exactly what's good for them, but she definitely knows that a really high caloric diet for them when they're not <laughs> super active is not going to end up in the uh, ends that the father is looking for. Let's zero in on one part of this story. I want to see what you think about this. So the dad um, wants the younger the younger stepsister to try the meal plan out. And so she, the, the older stepsister, asks the, the other stepsister, do you really want to do this? And then she says no. So then the older stepsister says the dad needs to back off because this is sucky for everyone. Um, now she gets in trouble for being disrespectful. Uh, do you view that as disrespectful? Um, only in the slightest way, but I've dealt with my share of you know sixteen-year-olds, <laughs> okay, or fifteen-year-olds, and I'm like, that's par for the course. Yeah, if you can't like deal with that, then you're not gonna have a good time. You know, either uh, counseling or raising kids. Okay, yeah, I, I don't see it as disrespectful. In part, and I think that this is something that matters. She didn't create the situation. She's trying to pick like the the most diplomatic way of dealing with what's clearly a bad situation. I think it takes a little bit of courage on her part to say to the dad, 
you're messing up here. You're creating a, a sucky situation that's not helpful. I, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you this isn't working. You know. Yeah. I just, I don't know if I want to go down to like tone policing, but it just it, it, <laughs> it seems like it's got some snark to it. But maybe I'm reading into that. Yeah. Well, I'll put it this way: there could be an awful lot more snark. <laughs> yes, the snark, yes, there could the, be. The snark barrel is just barely being tapped. <laughs> well, let's look at the next one. This is a really interesting one. You want? Do you want to read this one? Sure. Um, I, a 21-year-old male, am in a long-distance relationship with my girlfriend, also 21, that has been going on for more than a year now. I am planning to move to her country after I finish college in my own country this year. I have been excited about this relationship in the beginning, but it seems like she thinks of me way differently. She has chronic depression, borderline personality disorder, ADHD, and main character syndrome. They aren't very rough with the symptoms, but they do affect us. Once or twice a week, she has a night where she wants to isolate herself because of being depressed, where I keep begging her to just simply talk to me, and that I won't leave her ever, and things like that. She doesn't always listen to me, ignores me, and just kind of goes to listen to music until she feels better. Oi. I won't blame that. Whatever makes her feel better. Keep in mind, I have depression too, but I never talk about it. Uh, me being depressed every single day. I told her in the beginning of our relationship that I had depression, but she never really asked me anything about it. Uh, after a month ago, about a month ago, she came back tired from work and she called me and said, Hello! In a sad tone, because I was depressed at the time, she immediately lashed out at me, saying that I am the a-hole to hear her having a happy tone, and that I'm trying to put her down and make her sad because I sounded depressed. So I just said, I'm sorry, I'm depressed, and asked her to help me feel better so we have fun together. She hung up on me when she heard that. She didn't contact me again that day, but in the message saying, if you're depressed and I'm happy... Act like you are happy, because it's rare that I'm happy. After we made up, she keeps making fun of me for having said I am depressed, and that I really don't have anything to be depressed about, and that instead we should focus on making her life better. I just kept my mouth shut because I didn't want to say anything that will not be nice to her. Am I the a-hole for asking her to help me over just one time when I showed my depression? self to her even though i know she's usually depressed so um clearly a codependent couple right um mm -hmm. a-holes i mean i i think her behavior is a-holish um but i also think that this is um i don't know this is this is one of those things where where clearly people um don't have coping skills that they ought to have or communication skills and they've gotten themselves into sort of the re they're reinforcing each other's stuff here um so yes i mean um, i think there's a lot of red flags here um yeah i i would <laughs> agree um there are a wash it feels like it's a you know 
a Soviet parade here. Um, <laughs> With missiles and tanks. Aye. Um, and yes, this comes down to at least uh, one of the things I find kind of a difficulty within our culture for men that it's not um, usually uh, acceptable for men to talk about like mental health things. Um, yeah, there could be some. There, there could be some like gender inequality here. I mean, I see it more as like she being unfair and perhaps narcissistic in in relation to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it, it does have to do with that. I mean, she's making fun of him. That's I think right, that's, and that's, that's one of the things that's like the worst, like the cherry on the cake of like this being bad is yeah. especially like opening up and trying to like, hey, this is someone that you obsessively care for if not love um why would you ever um put someone down for for opening up and and trying to make that connection with you yeah you know another thing this it, it's as if her problems are the only ones that can be genuine problems there's only enough room in the relationship for one person to be depressed Right. That that's a bad sign right there, because then he has to keep it to himself. And and, and she's telling him, you know, just quite frankly, uh, if you are depressed and I'm happy, act like you're happy. Right. So. Mm -hmm. that's So, yeah. Um, and another thing about this is in the very beginning, they're trying to kind of or I guess he's loading us with um, preconceptions before we actually uh, look at her actions. Okay. And so he says specifically that she uh, has chronic depression, borderline personality disorder, ADHD, and main character syndrome. I'm not sure what that is. Right. That last one, I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. But uh, the question is, is he oh, just is, making those assumptions? Is main character syndrome like... Uh, like, the, I'm the only one that cares. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what it's referring to. Um, yeah. Just what you were talking about just yeah. before now. Yeah, I didn't put all the words I, together. I was like, "Main and character." What what the hell is that? Okay, main character uh, makes sense. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, but I don't know if these are like actually diagnosed things. These are yeah, just things that he yeah. said. I mean, that's a big problem. Is people throw these sorts of words around? ADHD, especially. You know, there mm -hmm. people who don't have ADHD are like, "I'm ADHD today," you know, and you're like, "No." Mm -hmm. You're not suffering with real ADHD. That's that looks like this, you know, borderline personality. Right. That's a, that's a big diagnosis if you've got that. I mean, depression. Okay, you can be mildly depressed, uh, moderately depressed, severely depressed. I'm 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 clinically depressed. Well, clinical is all of them, you know. Oh um, yeah, those are all just diagnoses. I'm I have a diagnosis of mild depression. I've had it since I was uh, a teen. Um, doesn't mean that you can't like function. Now, if you're severely depressed, those are the people that can't get out of bed, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know you got moderate depression in the middle. So we don't we don't know. I mean, chronic depression just means that it it lasts. It's not acute. It lasts over mm -hmm. time, right? But borderline saying that somebody's got borderline personality disorder that you really have to have a psychiatric di diagnosis for that, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and but the question is, we don't have enough information here. Yeah. We don't know if these are just the things that he's said, or the things that she says about herself, right. or the things that are actually been diagnosed about her. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, let's let's go either way. So let's say she's got everything that he's claiming, and um, 
this is the way that, that she behaves, I would say she's still acting like an a-hole. You know? I would agree. So, yeah. Now, is he in any way acting like an a-hole? Maybe to himself, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but it definitely seems like he's he's having questions. So that's So that's good, actually, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's reaching out and saying sort of something along the lines of, is this normal? <laughs> you know, is this the way relationships <laughs> work? You know? Um, yeah. That would be Man, a good I, thing. I, I put down my, my note here. Run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had my share of relationships with people in the past who like came straight out and they're like, yeah, I'm, I've got lots of things wrong with me. And, you know, you can, you can kind of – you know, you can be nice and, and say, oh, well, well, we'll deal with it together. And it almost never works out, you know. I mean, there there are times when you find things over time and people are genuinely trying to work through them. But when they're really, really upfront with psychiatric diagnosis language, I think that's usually a, a, a bad sign. Yeah, I'd. I, mean, I do agree there. I mean, it's one thing if somebody says, listen, you know, I'm an AA because I've got some problems. I'll always be an alcoholic. Uh, don't let me drink, you know, but they're they're cool otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's another thing if somebody says, oh, I've got this laundry list of stuff that's wrong with me. And I, I, I'm the only one who gets to, to be suffering in the relationship. You know, you have to Yeah, I think the, the, the second thing is the big thing. It's like, I'm aware of these things and I'm working on them and – I'm happy for you to help me with them um, versus uh, yeah. this is just an excuse for all of my actions, which it shouldn't be. Right, right, yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. Well, let's, let's look at the next one. Um, this, yeah. is, this is a funny one. Um, am I the a-hole for asking the principal about why she was fired at her last job? My two sons go to elementary school. The old principal was great. He is respected and liked. The kids were crazy about him. He took a promotion and left last year. They brought in a new principal, and I personally got this unlikable vibe from her. She just wasn't personal with the parents or kids. The kids seemed indifferent or scared of her. I tried to talk to her, and she blew me off. Things don't run as efficiently or effectively as before. Whatever. My kids are third and fifth graders, so they're not going to be there long. Over the course of the year, I saw a lot of the old staff disappear and a new person like every other month. My eldest son has Asperger's and ADHD, so he has an aide who'd been with him since kindergarten. He told me he was going to be leaving next week. I assumed he must have found another job. He said he couldn't stand working with the new principal, and that explains the turnover and a lot of the teachers are jumping ship. It made sense. I was pretty pissed about his leaving, though. I asked to speak with her for 15 to 20 minutes today. Before meeting with her, I looked her up, and she had gotten fired from another school district. You really have to mess up to be fired. I told her as a dad, as a member of the community, as someone who cares about the school, I was concerned about her leadership, good people leaving left and right. I told her she doesn't seem like she's fitting in. She told me she was doing the best job she could do. And then I asked her why she was fired from her last job after less than a year. She was taken aback and told me that our district thought she was qualified. I countered that so did the one that fired her. I told her I wasn't trying to be a dick. As a stakeholder, I'm alarmed at what I'm seeing. As a principal, she ought to be able to deal with that. So is he the a-hole? Um, is anybody the a-hole in this? What, what do you think? So the first thing that comes to mind is a question of, of privacy and 
Um, is there some expectation of privacy there or In not? In terms of firing I, I, and stuff like that? Yeah. yeah. And I don't know exactly how he got a hold of this information, but he figured it out. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like you go on a date and someone's <laughs> looked you up. Yeah, yeah. Which and, and that's gonna happens be at a least, lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a, a little bit unnerving when you're you're meeting someone and they know stuff about you that you never told them. Yeah. Um, and now you're like, especially if it's new, it's like you know, if you're like you know, your friends or your family and like people talk and like, oh, did you hear about like Bob did like that last week? And it's like, oh, it was very cool. Okay. Yeah. But like, th- there's definitely a feeling that comes over you when you know that someone knows more about you than you know about them. Yeah. Um, but is it a whole material? Um, I'm feeling kind of no, especially because like this is a person that is materially impacting the well-being of at least one of his children. You know, and in this case, it's a leadership position, and I think that we probably have to have different ways of looking at this for people in leadership positions. If you're a principal, a superintendent, you're you're at the top, you know. It's sort of like vetting um a C-suite executive. You know, you, you don't expect maybe maybe the C-suite executive isn't isn't entitled to the same amount of privacy as a manager is, let alone an employee. That's that's I think that's the way I would look at it. Mm-hmm. Um especially if it's going to, you know, it's not just affecting him. He does have a, a kid that he's worried about, but it looks like there's a larger problem. Uh, you know, if he's if he's being truthful, right? And and I don't think there's any reason to think he's he's not being. Um, yeah. I mean, if he if he isn't being truthful and he's making this stuff up, this this guy's really got an axe to grind. Right? Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I say not the a hole. Um, and uh, I guess I wouldn't be totally saying that she should not be taken aback. Um, Yeah. And she doesn't seem like she's an a-hole in this. I mean, maybe, maybe she is in other ways. This is part mm -hmm. of the background, but when it comes to like being taken aback by it, I don't think that makes her a a bad person. No. I think that's, it's kind of a, a natural reaction there. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's think about how this would play out in other venues. Um, so, you know, we mentioned corporations. If you're a higher level, level executive, maybe you don't get as much privacy. You know, like people could ask you, um, other stakeholders could say, why, why did you leave this other company? You know, or mm-hmm. why, why did they let you go? That, that might make sense. I mean, usually, who who gets the brunt of this? It's the employees. It's not the the higher level executives. They're the ones who tend to get a pass. Um, what if it was in the military? You know, would we should we say that like, you know, officers should face more scrutiny than enlisted people? I'd I'd be cool with that. You know. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, what would be some other? Uh, Venues. Well, the, the, the natural one is politicians, right? Oh, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good example. Yeah. It's like uh, we're talking about our, you know, a school board versus you know the, the governor. Yeah, um, yeah. People are gonna want to know who their governor is. People still want to know who their, their school board people are, but it's, it's not as many people, and it's not nearly <laughs> as in depth. <laughs> right, you're not right. gonna ha- like 
pay someone, a private investigator, you know, a couple grand to go dig into a school board member for the most part, but you might do that for a governor. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so politicians, sports figures. Um, I mean, it really depends on who the figure is, doesn't it? Right. I guess if you're looking at like people in the, Oh, that is interesting. Um, I mean, a lot of people on professional teams are not really that well noticed. They kind of just fly under the radar because they're, yeah. they're, you know, like in, in football, they're the offensive or defensive line or something like that, right? Compared to the quarterback or the star wide receiver or, you know, somebody who sticks out like a kicker. You know? <laughs> or a long snapper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. The Anyone who becomes like the base of a franchise. Um, okay. You know, tends to get that the scrutiny. Whereas, yeah. like, everyone else is, you know, you know, I guess it, it comes with the the rewards. If you're a face franchise, you're also probably being paid quite well, both for you know your actual physical abilities on the field as well as for endorsements. And if you also, you know, go around, you know, hitting your girlfriends, then all of a sudden that would, scrutiny is going to, you know, backfire. It certainly has been a problem in the NFL, you know, or, you know, in the, yeah. in the 1990s. Uh, Dog fighting? Well, well, there was that. That was oh. like the 2000s. But I'm thinking about yeah. the Packers and, and, you know, scandals with underage uh, girls, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark Chimura. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. uh, you know, my sister worked in a pool hall in the up, up in the uh, – Fox cities. It was a really, you know, high, high end kind of place. And the Packers would come in. And back then when the Packers would come in, people would just leave because they're like, these guys are trouble, you know? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, maybe, and maybe we can go back to the general principle being if you're getting higher rewards and you have more potential to screw things up, maybe you deserve more scrutiny, you know? Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, let's, move on. let's look. Yeah, this is this this one's a doozy as well. Um, you want to read this one? Um, okay. Yes. Um, am I the a hole for asking my boyfriend to stop going to his deceased ex girlfriend's family's house? So, my boyfriend's ex passed away five years ago. He does not go over to visit her family as he isn't close to them, but he goes over to walk slash hike and spend time with. Her dog. I can't go because she's uh, reactive towards humans and he just wants to spend time with the dog. I feel as though the dog will be fine without seeing him. Her family can take care of the dog. He says I'm the a-hole because he knows she would want him to be a part of her dog's life, still because the dog was really important to her. But he also does this on his only days off, taking time from our relationship. I may be the a-hole because he wants to go there. Edit. To add some more information, he spends thousands of dollars every year on the dog. Money we don't have. For the dog, vet, spills, toys, bedding, treats, anything it needs, it doesn't, or it doesn't need, it gets it. I feel as though this is her family's responsibility and not his. So I think he's an a-hole, frankly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, 
this you know this is the sort of thing where there's there's a couple different things i mean she points out that he's spending money right so there's there's time there's money there's affection and i don't want to say the dog should be deprived of any of these things but it sounds as if there's already people there to provide these things the the family the the family of the person who um who died and who are related to that person so you know and and this is this is her boyfriend's ex not it's not like she died while they were still going out apparently right so that's a little weird um uh, in my view i guess that's not how he read it but it could be that do you, i mean you think it's more like my boyfriend's uh what would you call it i mean he, he's like a widower essentially but not being yeah married? i i don't know i guess that's the, the way i was reading it okay and yeah and so it was i was reading it more along the lines of him grieving and like i've had family member who's who have lost loved ones yeah and they ha- they they love that damn pet yeah yeah um because it's the last thing that they have that's like directly connected to them um now like my, my initial thought at least coming from that perspective is he could probably use some therapy to go through whatever is getting him especially if he's he's spending so much money on this dog it, it yeah. seems abnormal and i'm trying to understand yeah, yeah. why the heck he's making these decisions i mean five years that's a long time um and I, I would think it would be different if it was like he misses his mom and or he misses his great uncle and this great uncle had a dog or something like that but this is a case where he's 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 moved on to have a girlfriend right mm-hmm. so he's he's cool with that but he hasn't let go this previous relationship which is being mediated through an animal an animal right. that doesn't doesn't know about this stuff i mean the animal's probably forgotten about his ex anyway five years is a, is a pretty long horizon you know um i'm not quite sure the the length of the timelines that a, a dog can remember uh their well, previous owner it's not like anything's going to spark that memory because she's not going to come back to life and you know walk through the door and whistle and you know rover comes right. trotting out and is oh i missed you or anything like that right yeah i think the, the biggest thing is um that he you know, as you said in the very beginning, that he is, you know, uh, giving, especially monetarily, the things that he does not have. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. as well as, you know, there there is a large amount of time like in a relationship. I know, you know, being in a relationship with, you know, multiple people working, it sometimes can get really hard to have time with each other. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, and it's sort of a question of like, well, who do you owe the limited amount that you you have too. I mean, if if all things, if she wasn't in the picture, maybe it would be fine for him to be doing this, right? Because he's he's like a single guy, and this is how he remembers the love of his life. And you know, like she says, he doesn't even like hang out with the family. It's just the dog, you know. Yeah. Um, but since he is involved with somebody in a committed relationship, as as we assume, I think he has a greater duty to spend the time and the affection and the money on her rather than the dog. 
which kind of sucks for the dog. But it, but it, it's not yeah. as if he's abandoning it. You know, he's taking it to a shelter and saying, goodbye, Rover. Hope somebody finds you. I mean, it's got a family. So. Yeah. And, and I, I've been looking at this, like, you know, once again, my original re- reading is that he's still grieving. Okay. Um, uh, and, and for that, it, it makes sense why he's doing these things. Um, if it's not that, then, and it's oh. just the dog, then, yeah, totally he's the a-hole. <laughs> I mean, this this brings up an interesting point, though. Um Oh. I mean, this is this is something that like you know Seneca talks about in relation to, to grief, and Seneca differs from the other Stoics. The other Stoics said, ah, you know, feeling grief is not a good thing. You 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 can you know sort of like act like you're grieving to commiserate with somebody, but it's 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 not a good thing. And Seneca says, no, no, there's a point to it, but you should be reasonable in how you grieve, right? And so we can ask about duration. And weird quirks and stuff like that. If if um, if I'm grieving through an animal five years after uh, my spouse dies, I don't know that that's <clears throat> that, that's kind of self indulgent. I think. And I'm now kind of moving away from my original position oh, just because, okay. like I said earlier, that um, even though you have these issues, it yeah. does not give you – it can under explain why you're doing them. Yeah. It still doesn't give you the ability to be right in doing these things that are not good for like the obligations that you have. So he, he set up that he has this obligation because he's in a relationship and there are certain obligations that are needed in order to maintain that relationship. Mm, yeah, and yeah. he's failing at, at meeting those at the moment um, because of this thing that he has a hang up. I mean, um, there is one thing to say about that though. Um, she doesn't say that he's like increase the time or money that he's spending. So it sounds like she got into this relationship with him while he's doing these things. Mm-hmm. So that's a little strange. I mean, did she think that he was just going to like snap out of it or move on eventually? I I don't I don't see her saying that, you know. Yeah. Uh these are some of those things like, oh, could I ask a question? Yeah. And on the board, you could actually do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's move on, I'd say. Okay. So am I the a-hole for telling my aunt she deserved it after my mom, quote, scammed her? Now, this is a, a, a an interesting one. I know this oh, yeah. might be confusing from the title, but I will try my best to explain it. My... Uh, my, I'm an 18-year-old uh, male. My mom, 52-year-old female, last year had an idea to start a small business. My mom told my aunt, 50-year-old female, about this idea, and my aunt gave my mom quite a large amount of money as an investment. In exchange, my mom agreed to give my aunt some of the profits. My mom's business is mainly about buying stuff for cheap online, and she sells them to people in our neighborhood. My mom mostly sells things like phone cases, laptop cases, mugs, etc. 
they have a lot of different patterns like cool designs or characters from cartoons on them. So they look very nice and people in our neighborhood became, began buying them from my mom. My mom orders them in bulk and makes a 50% profit by selling them. But the thing is, my mom hasn't told anyone she's buying them online. Everyone knows my mom is the one adding these patterns. Nobody knew, nobody except my aunt knew the truth. <clears throat> so my mom's business exploded. She'd gotten a lot of customers and began, began making a good amount of money. My mom wanted to pay my aunt back the money she gave her, but my aunt was a little busy and she told my mom she'll take it later. Recently, my mom and my aunt got into an argument. They've had arguments in the past and I thought things will get normal again, but they didn't. I won't go into detail, but it was because my aunt accused my mom of doing something which she didn't. This turned my mom's family against her and now my mom is not speaking to my aunt or my grandma. I thought they were going to keep this between them. My mom was going to pay back my aunt the money she owed her, but then my aunt did something and took it way too far. My aunt made a post in a Facebook group of our neighborhood pointing out how my mom was, quote, scamming people. She, she showed the website my mom was buying the stuff she sold from, and this news spread quickly, and my mom's business went bust. My mom eventually got to know about this, and when my aunt asked her for the money she owed her, my mom refused to give it back. That made my aunt mad at my mom, and she called telling me about this and said my mom was a, a bitch for not giving her money back. She told me to tell my mom to pay her back, but I said I couldn't do that because I don't want to damage my relationship with my mom by siding with her. She kept telling me how wrong my mom was doing, and this made me mad because I felt like she was trying to guilt trip me. So I just told her no and, and that she deserved to be paid back nothing after what she did to my mom. Then she began saying my mom manipulated me to side with her and called me and my mom a-holes. But I wasn't listening to any of this, and I hung up on her. I haven't heard from her since that. I don't think what my mom did was scamming people. It was just business. I think my aunt took it too far. And honestly, I don't blame my mom for being upset and not paying her back. So my question is, am I the a-hole for this? Um, EOP? My opinion is no. Yeah, I, I think that's right. <laughs> um, now, do you think anybody else is the, the a-hole in this case? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Everyone else. Or at least the, the, the other, the, the mother and the aunt. You think you think are, the mom is? Okay. So, oh, yeah. So the aunt, I don't have any problem thinking that she's in a hole. What, what she did, you know, to deliberately dis destroy the business and then demand the money back, that's, mm. uh, that's really over the line. Why do you think the mom is, though? Because um, I'm not convinced of that. Okay. There's, I just want to double check on one thing. Um, I guess. So I mean, the they get into the a, a conversation, it, right? Would be she she should have paid her back, right? Mm -hmm. Or she shouldn't be selling things in that way. Mm -hmm. um, that's basically. I those are the two places where I think you could you could go after the mom. Yeah, and so the, the well, the first thing is yes, that there's a. Um, you know, a lie that she allowed to propagate in order for her to okay. maintain this business. Um, and, you know, like, you're just saying this business um, is like, oh, well, it makes money. So that, like, abdicates you for, not, uh, absolves you from, um, you know, doing unscrupulous things. And uh, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Um, and,. So I guess There's... I guess the way it reads, and I think it's like maybe it's it's misexpressed here, um, 
the people in the neighborhood thinks that his mom is the one creating the patterns, right? That that's yeah. the issue. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I don't know how that started, but um, it seems like she was quite happy to let that <laughs> mistruth propagate yeah, in yeah. her, you know, financial benefit. Okay. And so there, there's definitely some deception there. So that that's some you know a holery yeah. going on. Um, and then uh, letting she, that that should truth... she have paid back the the aunt even after her business was ruined though or. I mean, it sounds I, I don't like she know, made like, did, some did she efforts. Did she make some profit? Like, well, that, that's uh, the question. It, yeah. Did she actually make profit here? Um, because she does say that like she was able to pay the, her back, that she had made enough money to pay her back. Yeah. And so at that point in time, it's like, okay, um, I assume that you've, and that was a while ago, so you were making more money, so you made enough money to pay back the initial investment as well as to make something more. You're already up, and uh, just because someone called you out on your lie, yeah, on um, I mean, she could, she, doesn't she, make. She could have been sinking that into buying more uh, stuff, though, right? I mean, we don't be. we don't know that, but yeah. But once again, it, it, the whole business is, is based on a you know, <laughs> if, if not an explicit lie, uh, uh, an implicit one. So it's an a hole business model, you could say, right? Right. So I feel like there's a holery to go around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, these a lot of these. I think this will probably be the last one that we'll have time to talk yeah. about. A lot of these show just how easy it is for relationships to go off kilter when people are, you know, they're they're kind of playing fast and loose with what they ought to do, you know. Right, and like I think that the biggest thing is like. I'm much more willing to go and, and support a, a small business or an artist, especially if I know that they're making the product. Yeah. But if they're just like someone that's reselling stuff, it's like that's like a drop seller. It's like, yeah, you're 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 not doing much of a service there. Yeah, it's and it, you're just showing that you can like click websites and. Mm-hmm. Uh, st- I mean, there is the well. I'm a middle person. You know, I'm getting stuff to you that looks pretty. I mean, so she had been upfront about it. Yeah. Yeah. Although then I had no problem with it. If she had been upfront about it, anybody could have gone to that website and cut her out. Well, <laughs> so. it, it might be that you need to buy things from bulk. And so that, that makes perfect sense. Okay. You. Yeah. That's the reason why stores exist. You know, you, you buy at one price and you sell at retail. True. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a good point. So, um,. Before we end with our final thoughts, any other things you want to say about any of these cases, or um, we can all be an a-hole sometimes. <laughs> Just try to reduce it. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Well, do you want to lead us out on uh, some final final thoughts? Yeah. Today we will leave you with the words of William Gibson: Before you diagnose yourself with depression or low self-esteem, first make sure that you are not, in fact, surrounded by a-holes.